Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane, and that sound you probably can actually hear over the microphone is my dog Harry playing with a squeaky toy. This is the Rochester International Jazz Festival edition of the show, day three. Coming up on this podcast, interviews with Saskia LaRue, trumpet player from the Netherlands, Peter Asplund from Sweden, and Mr. Something Something, or at least one of the misters, Afrobeat band that hails from Toronto, Canada. We'll also hear a performance excerpt from Mike Catone's band. We talked to him on yesterday's edition of the podcast. All that's coming up in this show, right after I tell you about the uh, somewhat strange experiences I had today at the Jazz Festival. One of the things I do at the festival is MC shows, announce you know, the bands and thank the sponsors and all those kinds of things. And today, I was uh, particularly excited to announce the early set at the Lutheran Church in the Nordic Jazz Now series that uh, we featured yesterday. And that's because the saxophonist Lotte Lotte Anker from Denmark was being backed up by Craig Taborn and Gerald Cleaver, two really, really outstanding and uh, much-in-demand musicians. So I got there and, you know, did my thing and hung out and waited for the show to start, and then was sitting kind of uh, backstage, so to speak. It's in a church. There's not really a backstage, but kind of off in the little vestibule area. And the band came in, and John Nugent, the promoter of the festival, was there and talking to the band. And then the guy who uh, always goes up, and Mike Otto tells people about the exits, goes up on stage, and I go up on stage. And Mike always says, you know, you can exit out the front, not just the back, and here's Jason Crane. So Mike stands up and he says, welcome to the church, and you can exit out the front, not the back. And here's John Nugent. And so literally, while I am standing on the stage, John Nugent walks past me and introduces the band. So, you know, midway through realizing that I'm standing on stage for no apparent purpose, I uh, just jumped off the stage and walked out of the room. And then uh, I proceeded to go over to the the Club Pass tent to uh, announce that show interviewed the band, that was Mr. Something Something, and uh, was standing back by the soundboard, like you're supposed to do, waiting for the sound man to come, and the band uh, came out, and they were standing outside as well, because they were going to parade through the tent on their way to the stage. Waiting, 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 and the sound man comes running over, and uh, he's late, actually, for the gig, and I said, uh, hey man, I'm I'm the MC, which mic do I use? And he says, I kid you not, just like this, I can't talk to you. I can't tell you anything. You have to talk to that man over there. I'm not authorized to let you do anything. I kid you not. <laughs> exactly like that. What I could glean from that was that he wasn't going to tell me anything. And so while I was turning around to walk toward the backstage area, a guy got up and announced the band. So I I yield. I decided today that announcing a band was just not in my in my future. I, uh, I did announce the uh, the Saskia LaRue show, as it said to on my little schedule there, but uh, but the cards were not were not dealt favorably to me on the other two shows, and that's just fine. It's just uh, you know it's one of those things that happens in a big festival. But enough about me. Let's hear some more from the folks who are playing here this week, starting with Saskia LaRue. Uh, this is what she sounds like, and then you'll hear what she sounds like. 
we're here with Saskia LaRue, trumpet player who's playing at the Montage tonight. Welcome to Rochester, New York. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. So you've had a, a very interesting career over the last three decades. You've played all kinds of music. You've played with all kinds of artists. What is it about uh, experimentation that excites you so much? Why do you, why do you spend so much time kind of trying all different kinds of music? I don't know. I fall in love with so many musical styles, and then I want to perform them and explore them and mix them all together because I also want the different audiences that like the different styles to understand the other style that I like so much because when I started out music, I learned about Dixieland, and I was thinking, wow, this is great music. Then I learned about salsa, and oh, this great music. And then I learned the people that like this Dixieland, they don't like the salsa, and I didn't understand. So I'm trying to... Uh, you know, uh, um, make different audiences understand each other, maybe even on a dif- different, uh, deeper level. So who's in the band with you tonight? Uh, tonight in the band with me is uh, Warren Bird, a piano player. They are all from Hartford, Connecticut, by the way, and they are a trio um, playing together already for 20 years, I think. But uh, Warren Bird, pianist, is, has been touring with me for uh, five years now already. And uh, uh, Alvin Carter is the drummer. He is actually the leader of his trio, which Warbird is uh, a part of. And uh, Doug Long is uh, the bass player. They're all great musicians, and I'm very happy to play with them. And are you performing mostly your own compositions tonight in the show? Tonight will be all my own compositions except for one Miles Davis song. (laughs) Now, I saw in the program they said you were sometimes called the Lady Miles of Europe. What do you think about a name like that? Well, you know, in the beginning when I I saw that in the press, I was a little bit, uh, you know, embarrassed and shocked also because uh, also uh, when I was performing, sometimes people would uh, react on on my playing like, oh, wow, it it seems as Miles Davis has uh, uh, gone from the dead in the the way of a white woman. And I was like, wow, (laughs) you know, it's like it felt a little bit like a, a big responsibility or some kind of a pressure. But then, you know, I'm not Miles Davis. I'm Saskia Laro, you know. What's your most recent album, Saskia? My most recent album is uh, Body Mute. No, it's uh, the one with Teddy Edwards, Sunset Eyes. And uh, it's actually already quite old, or old. I don't know, in jazz terms, you can't speak of old because uh, they, they, you know, most of the jazz stuff is like evergreens, it always stays uh, okay. But uh, I'm dying to make a new album. How did you and Teddy Edwards get together? Oh, Teddy Edwards I met when I uh, uh, came to the... Uh, he came to the Netherlands to perform a concert, and he did also a workshop, and I, uh, I joined in with his workshop, and then uh, I helped him to write down some music, because his music was lost at the airport, and I helped him uh, to transcribe some uh, of, of his new composition for the workshop. Well, thank you for taking the time. I hope you have a great show. Thank you very much. That was trumpeter Saskia LaRue. We're going to move on now to another trumpeter, Peter Osblund, who was here in town on the first night of the festival, the opening act in the Nordic Jazz Now series. His album, Lochiel's Warning, was called an instant classic when it came out a couple of years back. And this is the title track from that album, a Peter Asplund composition. This is Lochiel's Warning. Thank you. 
So I'm sitting here with Peter Osplund, who was here in town as part of the Nordic Jazz Now series. And uh, the, the early reports are that your show was one of the highlights of the festival for a lot of people. Uh, so welcome to Rochester and a very successful debut here in our town. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's my first time here. Uh, I've been to the States many times with different bands, but this is the first time in Rochester and it's the first time with my own band. So uh, it's... Um, it's great to be here, and um, of course, it's it's very nice that uh, there was a huge crowd and uh, standing ovations and uh, good reviews in the newspaper. So we, it's a, it's a great start of uh, hopefully something that we could come back to, you know. You know, I think I think people have been really surprised and impressed by the the Nordic Jazz series. Last night we had the Zanussi Five, and they were really well received too. It seems like there's a lot of amazing jazz happening in the Nordic countries. Yeah, well, I seems like we have uh, a lot of time and a lot of uh, opportunities to write music and do our own thing. Uh, we don't have that many huge uh, record companies that are producing things that you know. So we can basically we can do whatever we like to, and and I think it's a creative environment and and a good. Uh, um, start for for musicians and artists uh, and bands also to, to, to be able to write their own music and find their own own so, uh, sound um, in uh, in their own you know pace and uh, so uh, yeah is that because there's so much state support for the arts is that what allows you that room to, to develop partly I think so yeah yeah could be yeah and can you talk a little bit about how you got your start? How did you start playing trumpet, and uh, how did you first get exposed to jazz? My uh, parents are music teachers. Uh, my father's a flute teacher, and my my mother's a piano teacher. And there was a lot of jazz uh, in my home when I grew up. So uh, I heard Louis Armstrong when I was four or something like that, and. Uh, the way he played, the way he sang, the way he was laughing and everything, it was straight to my heart. It was like like he was saying, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. So it's uh, it's Louis Armstrong's... Uh, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> and so what course did you follow? Did you go through uh, like an academic jazz studies and then start gigging, or did you go right out of high school into uh, playing in clubs how did it how did it happen for you no I'm, i i went through all the schools uh college uh, uh music and then uh, to the academy in stockholm for four years so um i i'm, I'm trained as a, a you know classical trumpet player but i never played all the concerts and things like that but i i went through all the books you know trumpet teaching books and things like that and then uh, on the side, I, I, I've been listening to uh, the, the whole jazz uh, history, uh, so that's, of course, a huge part of my education, but, um, you know, arranging and uh, composing and harmonies and scales and things like that, I, I, I got from the school. So, you know. And when did you first start writing? When did you first start writing your own compositions? Was that while you were a student? Well, I... I I tried, but then uh, for my first record that came out '95, I I started to write music seri more like seriously. So since then, uh, I believe. And you know, a lot of uh, a lot of performers kind of fall back on, at least in this country, fall back on the Great American Songbook, and then 
the, the music from the 50s and 60s. Why have you made such a focus on recording your own music? Well, it's, it's a way of finding your own uh, sound and your own uh, voice. Uh, it took me a few records, a few years to, uh, to find my sound. Uh, so I wrote my own music because when I played my music, I couldn't hear the, the big, you know, great names. But I, if I was playing a standard tune, I, I had Clifford Brown on my on one side and Miles on the other side watching me so um, it took me a while a, a few years but then now I, I feel that I can play the American standard tunes the way I play my own tunes so I hear my own sound so uh, I think that's uh, it's an important thing to try to find your own sound is, is to write your own music because nobody has played that before so you immediately sound personal. Can you talk about who you brought with you to the festival, who was in your band? Yeah, it's uh, my three soulmates. <laughs> uh, the drummer, Johan Löfkrans Ramsey, it's an old friend of mine from, from way, way back. We were the same age and we always played together. Uh, so he's, he's been in all my different bands and on all my records. Um, the other guys I've met, they're from down south in Sweden. Johan and I are from the Stockholm area, but uh, Jakob Karlsson, the piano player, um, he is from uh, another city, Jönköping, and he now lives in Malmö, down south. And the bass player is, is from Malmö, originally. And I've met them uh, these last ten years in different situations, and uh, I just got the feeling that the four of us could make good music together, and, and we'll like to hang out also so it's like a social thing and it's it's the way we try to play is the way we uh, communicate off stage as well so we just uh, we have the same uh, roles the same uh, way of, of uh, um, you know communicating off stage and on stage so it's uh, it's not a big difference it's just that we have our instruments <laughs> in our hands so. so when you're on stage how much of your your course is predetermined and how much of it can just take whatever form the musicians decide we we pick a couple of tunes uh, I, ha I have a um, um, sometimes it's hard with the language <laughs> I have to think of it. Um, it's like when, when you have a you try to dry clothes, you put them on a line, and you have, what is that called? Uh, clothespins. Clothespins, yeah. I have certain clothespins, and between that, anything can happen. And it's good for us, and, and I think especially it's good for the audience, because we might play a tune that is very well, uh, it's tight, it's short, and it's uh, arranged and everything. It's, it's something that you, you, know, you wake up. And then suddenly we just decide to play an old standard tune or one of my tunes and any, anything can happen. I, I might say to Jacob, the piano player, that play an intro and he can do whatever he likes to and then he picks up the tempo and then suddenly I start to play something free and they, you know, and then after a while, 12 minutes of whatever we play, uh, becomes another of those, uh, you know. So 
it sounds like that communication you were talking about must be very important if that's going to work. You have to trust each other and yeah. and be able to think alike. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing, and and it's like, it's like having a, a a dinner with good friends. You know, you you pick a subject and you start talking about it, and people listen and they uh, comment and they tell their version of and their experiences and things like that, and it's moving around the table. Drinking wine, laughing, uh, talking about sorrow, talking about uh, life, anything, and it's we just do the same thing basically uh, with when we're on stage, you know, playing. It's uh, it's the same thing. What's coming up for you next? We're going to New York City uh, tomorrow morning, and we're going to attend. Uh, um, it's it's going to be a, a reception at the Scandinavia House. Uh, where I'm gonna sit in a panel together with a, a Finnish musician and a couple of other Swedes and uh, Larry Applebaum is gonna ask us questions about Swedish music so it's an invited guests gonna listen to this and we're gonna dis- discuss uh, Swedish music and, and then we're gonna play some there as well so, and then we're gonna do a gig at the Swedish church a benefit gig at Swedish church while we're in town so well, that sounds great. I thank you for taking the time. It was really fantastic to see you in the band, and I hope you'll come back to the festival. Yeah, it would be fantastic to come back. Uh, everybody's been so uh, nice, and, and uh, it's, yeah, hope we come back next year. That's great. Thank you. Thanks, man. That was Peter Osplund. Here's another track from his album. I'm not really sure how you pronounce this name. Maybe Beat? It's B-E-A-T-E. Another Peter Osplund composition.
That was Peter Osplund. We move on now to Mr. Something Something. First, a sample of their sound, and then we'll talk to John McLean from the band. One of the Mr. Something Somethings, and I'm not going to front, man. I, I had never heard of Mr. Something Something before. I saw you guys on the program, so I need you to educate me and all the listeners. Who is Mr. Something Something? What do we need to know? Starting with, who are you? Essentials. Essentials about Mr. Something Something. A bunch of guys from Toronto, Canada, who are um, exploring where uh, where Felakuti started with uh, Nigerian Afrobeat, um, and uh, basically the power of his music to. Uh, to basically instill some social change and create some incredible dance music that you can really lose yourself in for 5, 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20. We've been known to play a tune. Um, and to, uh, to have a lot of interesting and very, uh, and very sort of cyclical rhythms that uh, you, can, you can lose yourself in dance-wise, as well as a ton of horns. Typically, we have a fantastic frontman uh, as well singing with us, but he had trouble at the border on this show. So we have a totally surprise uh, session tonight where our front man is missing. Luckily, uh, luckily he's got amazing pipes, but there's tons of other music to uh, keep the people moving. But Mr. Something Something represents uh, something new happening with Afrobeat music. And the name uh, is, a, is a sort of a lateral reference to Felakuti himself. He has a tune called Mr. Follow Follow. And the fact that we're kind of uh, vaguely following in his footsteps, but in our own way, because naturally we're not Nigerians, um, is, uh, is just a little tip of the hat to him. And we're doing something completely new. Uh, all, the, uh, all the writing is our own, and uh, all the arrangements are our own. And we're going to see, um, see if the music can maybe make a difference, because there's lots of, lots of social change that is critically important right now. We haven't even told folks your name yet. My name, personally, my name's John McLean, and I'm one of the co-founders of the band. My good friend Larry Graves is the drummer. Um, he plays uh, all of the percussion you'll hear on our recordings is performed by him amazingly. Uh, he's just got a ton of skills. Um, mostly uh, his studies uh, were in Ghana and in, uh, in um, uh, a whole wide range of uh, different percussion instruments. And then in our band he plays kit as well as some of those percussion instruments. And some of us pick up those responsibilities because we can't fit as many percussionists as we'd like to in the van. So, uh, you know, we're pretty lean and mean. 
uh, the number of players. Sometimes we'll show up with seven people, sometimes six. Um, like, for instance, uh, anybody who's a, who knows the fellow Kuti bag will know that there's uh, anywhere from 15 to 30 people on stage in a, in a, tr- a traditional show. So then what happens is we're, um, we, have our own, um, we have our own language that we bring to it, and a lot of it is jazz-based. Um, uh, for instance, our guitarist Paul uh, McDougall, fantastic guitar player, um, he introduces just harmonic uh, intrigue. Uh, we call him the harmonic advisor. Uh, um, myself, and tonight we have Brian O'Kane, a fantastic trumpet player who's on uh, Rob McConnell's Boss Brass, has been down here a million times, and him and John Nugent, whose festival, you know, he's John Nugent is so much uh, kind of overseeing the festival. Um, he and uh, Brian have been playing forever back in Montreal days. Uh, so there's a lot of crossover between the jazz community and this uh, very complicated world music term, uh, which we fall into. But I, I would say it's something like dance music. That's maybe a better word. Because the fact that it is uh, based in West African rhythm, uh, the, just the term world, it just confuses everybody at this point. Nobody knows what to make, make of it anymore. So uh, it's very danceable uh, jazz. <laughs> Can you does the the term Afrobeat does it refer specifically to music of Nigeria or is it a broader uh, term than that? Um, depending who you talk to, I'd say for the most part it's very specific. It's specific to Nigeria. It's specific to Fela Kuti, and uh, he has two sons who both have uh, their own take on it now. But Fela himself uh, is uh, Nigerian from Lagos, uh, or living. You know, he set, he settled uh, he set up his camp in in Lagos and. Um, he railed against the government. He railed against the military leaders. He railed against the oppression. Um, he fused uh, some of James Brown stuff with some of what's happening in, uh, in jazz music with the Miles Davis uh, thing that was, you know, worldwide absorbed. Uh, he fused it with um, a lot of the Yoruba uh, language and rhythm. He uses a lot of um, um, phrases that that contain a, a, a kernel of wisdom, and he'll use that. He uses uh, pidgin English. So for somebody like me. Um, I, I can listen to his uh, some of his phrases because I don't know exactly what the words mean. I, I found out with time, but like somehow listening to non-English is just a beautiful thing because it uh, it bears repetition, uh, and actually bears repetition is a word that uh, a phrase that I'll whip out a lot because I think uh, on a cellular level the music that we make bears repetition. Every 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 rhythmic pattern, maybe you never heard a rhythm like that. You know you've heard bomb 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 before you've heard uh, uh, you know uh, some cliche from this or that bag be it Brazilian or Cuban or funk or and our whole trip is that is that we, we provide uh, cells of rhythm which you haven't heard before and therefore maybe you don't even know where uh, where the pulse is maybe you don't you know the pulse but you don't know where one is the joke is uh, we'll have players come to uh, to play uh, in a rehearsal with us and maybe do a show and they don't know where one is they can feel the pulse. They can even play a phrase. But where is the perceived one? And not to get too jazz geeky on you, but like you know, the concept of one, you can feel it on a couple of different places. And if you checked out some of the Mr. Something Something music, I think you'd you agree. You can hear it a few different ways. Maybe for three minutes, you'll be dancing, feeling it this way, and then another figure will come in, and you'll realize that the band intended it that way. And that keeps it interesting. That's why the tunes can be as long as they are. You know, sometimes ten minutes, fifteen. Do you guys spend a lot of time on the road? Um, yeah, at this point, we spend uh, an enormous amount of time on the road. Um, Canada is a very big country, uh, and there's a lot of dancers, and there's a lot of uh, music lovers up there. Um, and now America's uh, begun to uh, hear us and to absorb us and, and to request us. So uh, we're spending a lot of time in the van, on the plane. Um, up in uh, Canada, the big awards are called the Junos, and we were um, nominated in the world category this year, which is a big to-do. 
um, and that took us out to the prairies again. But like last summer, we put on, uh, I think it was 15,000 clicks um, and retired that vehicle. And now we have a new vehicle <laughs> and we're go- uh, we have three months straight touring, again, the States and Canada. And then the next year, we're looking at Europe. I think there's lots of people in Paris and London and beyond who would like to, to hear what's happening with you know some new innovations. We have a fantastic um, um, collaboration, in effect, with a, a Nigerian living in uh, America now. He's, uh, his name is Ikwonga, the original Afrobeat poet. And he performed on the stage with Fela Kuti, and he performed um, right at Africa Shrine in Lagos. Uh, he's straight out of Port Harcourt, which is his original town uh, in Nigeria. And the album that uh, we've recorded, I don't know what to call it, because our regular frontman, he's only singing backups because this Nigerian um, Ikunga brought so much great material to the table that there's actually, um, we just sort of let him uh, drop his incredible Nigerian imagery and poetry and his uh, phrases and his his rhythmic concept on top of, and we, we created all this music underneath him, and he's living in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, with the intention of ultimately moving back there. He's also a medical doctor, and he's going to spend his life working for, uh, for the psych- psychological well-being of the children in, uh, in Nigeria, which is something people don't think about too often. So a lot of loaded social, um, social commentary in his, uh, his, Im- his images and in his words, and then we have the uh, conviction level, and uh, for us, we keep a lot of musical intrigue underneath it to keep it interesting. So that's our latest collaboration. Well, it sounds like a fascinating show, and I thank you for taking the time. Thank you kindly. That's Mr. Something Something and John McLean, their spokesperson of the day. Here's one more sample of their sound before we leave you for today. Rochester International Jazz Fest Day 3 edition of the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Make sure you visit the site and check out all the cool things that are there, including links to other folks who are blogging and podcasting from the festival. And if you subscribe to the show, and I certainly hope that you do, you'll be getting not only these podcasts, but also the mobile blog entries that I'm submitting by cell phone from around the festival. Those are also accessible at thejazzsession.com. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll be back with you tomorrow for more. This is The Jazz Session, and I'm Jason Crane. So long.
Thank you for listening. Bye.